Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, Glenda Lee Allen Vosser will have details on a private member's bill calling for changes to the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act. And up first in today's country comment, we'll chat with CFA President Mary Robinson about the PEI potato situation. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. This week, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Marie-Claude Bebo announced that the U.S. has agreed to resume imports of Prince Edward Island table stock potatoes into Puerto Rico. I got reaction from Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson. It's certainly uh, it's a positive announcement. Um, where we've been definitely the the PEI Potato Board here has been. Um, Trying to get the the markets into the mainland USA reopened. That's that's a big focus. But you know the the Puerto Rican market for some farms it has no impact, and for other farms it's almost 100 percent of what they might ship. So obviously uh, for those people it's really great news. There's some concern around the requirements, in particular for labeling, and I'm sure your listeners would understand, Corey, that you know um, we've got to put a label on every bag that's leaving PEI destined for Puerto Rico. So if you've got three-pound poly going down the road in a container, that's 18,000 bags, 18,000 stickers. And in what part of your packing line do you put that sticker on the bag? So that's that's going to be a challenge. But I think uh, having been shut out of these markets since late November, people are certainly very willing to do what they have to to get potatoes to market because the situation here is becoming really desperate. We're obviously at a point where we've got to make decisions on planting and uh, being able to move some crop is is definitely a positive. Where are things at with uh, opening things up to the rest of the U.S.? Right. So we understood uh, Minister Bebo and, and Minister McCauley did make a visit uh, and had meetings with uh, Secretary Vilsack and, and other people in Ottawa in, in uh, January. And coming out of that meeting, uh, we had understood that two weeks after that meeting, which is actually today, that we would see Puerto Rico uh, reestablished as an open market to PEI potatoes. And we were told that uh, by early March, um, Secretary Vilsack had, had made a commitment of early March uh, for uh, PEI potatoes into the mainland U.S. So uh, we're definitely... Um, We've been in discussions with Minister Bebo. I know the Potato Board has, and uh, she has made a commitment to hold Secretary Vilsack's feet to the fire on that one. And that that's really incredibly important. And your listeners would understand that the time sensitivity of uh, planting decisions having to be made. Wanted to talk a little bit about the um, surplus potato management response plan and just what's what's been happening with um, all of the the extra potatoes there. Right, so we're starting really to just see the beginning of destruction. Uh, there, there was a bit of, um, you know, there was an announcement of $28 million with uh, most of that going to the cost of destroying product. Um, we have 300 million pounds that are surplus potentially. So the way that the 21 million, I believe, that was earmarked for this, uh, this activity, that comes out to about, I think, eight and a half dollars. So, um, that's still well below the cost of production. And, you know, we obviously will see producers having costs for the destruction. So what will happen is potatoes will be dumped on fields 
and uh, they'll be put through a snowblower, you know, just to kind of mash them up and make them susceptible to the cold and, and thrown out across the field in hopes that the, the cold does get at them and they don't become a problem uh, in the next crop year as volunteers coming up and whatever's planted in that field. Like a lot of uh, producers across the country, you know, if we look at BC and and the atmospheric river and the flooding that they experienced recently and, and before that, the heat dome, and I know the impacts it had on cherry producers, uh, the fires, the the fact that uh, our producers in, in the prairie saw drought and now the feed shortages that they're experiencing and the hay shortage we see and we've come across the country, you know, we see a lot of uh, hard times in agriculture. And at the same time, we also see glimmers of hope, you know, pretty strong commodity prices and on the balance of that, a lot of uncertainty. This will be the most expensive crop we put in the ground yet. So uh, I think just, again, another shout out, Corey, you and I have talked before about mental health and people taking care of themselves. I had a conversation with a potato producer the other day, and he said, potato farming is in my blood. It is what I do. I hope we come out of this with the industry intact. But if we don't, I'm I'm more than potato farming. So just want people to keep sight of that and, and try to keep their chins up and stick on the ice. That was Mary Robinson, president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. This week, a private member's bill was tabled in the House of Commons calling for changes to the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act. Bill C-234 would expand the definition of farm machinery and extend the exemption for qualifying farming fuel to natural gas and propane. Andre Harp is chair of Grain Growers of Canada. The cost of the natural gas is actually pretty much almost the least amount on on my bill uh, because, you know, it gets back to, you know, that the carbon tax was 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 huge. And plus, not only are we paying the carbon tax, but uh, we get charged the GST on the carbon tax also. So we get double whammy, you know, so we're talking thousands of dollars. Harp says the carbon tax impacts all aspects of agriculture from grain farmers to greenhouses and livestock producers. A similar bill, C-206, passed through the House of Commons but died in the Senate when the federal election was called. And Manitoba Canola Growers is hosting its AGM virtually on February 17th, starting at 9 a.m. Here is Executive Director Delaney Ross-Burtnack. So we do ask for pre-registration. Ideally, before February 11th, we'll do our utmost if, if folks miss the deadline. But we're asking that uh, if they could register in advance at canolagrowers.com before February 11th, that'll make sure that we can get everything in place to give everybody the best experience they can have. Once they pre-register, an email with login instructions will be sent to all of those uh, who have registered for the virtual event. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, February 10th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen-Vossler will have details on a private member's bill calling for changes to the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act. This week, Conservative MP Ben Lobb introduced a private member's bill calling for changes to the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act. If passed, Bill C-234 would expand the definition of farm machinery and extend the exemption for qualifying farming fuel to marketable natural gas and propane, a move the Grain Growers of Canada would like to see happen. Glendalee Allen-Vossler talked about the importance of the bill with Andre Harp, an Alberta farmer and chair of the Grain Growers. 
234 is an act uh, that was a private member's bill that was actually just introduced, uh, and it's an act to repeal the carbon tax. Uh, basically, we had Bill C-206 last year that we came so very, very close to being introduced as law, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it was interrupted by a general election. So, you know, this is basically a replacement for that bill, and, uh, you know, we're very happy it's been introduced uh, it's going to take a while to go through the, the the process. You know, it has to. It's uh, it received first reading and uh, in the House of Commons, and basically, it's going to take a while for that process to go through. So, we're just happy that it's got started. Now, when we talk about this bill, let's talk about the importance of it. Uh, as you said, this has been an issue we've been trying to move through the House through Parliament for some time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? We need we need this to happen. Um, you know, one of the reasons that carbon taxes have been introduced was basically you know the you know the premise behind them was to, for Canadians to change how they how they live and uh, and how they work and how they operate. Uh, you know, we've made very clear and very plain to the government uh, that uh, we we can't change. We we uh, unfortunately there's nothing to change to. Uh, we need natural gas for our grade dryers. We need natural gas to uh, you know heat our our, our shops, and uh, you know basically uh, in nitrogen, which is you know a, a basic food stock for the, the the food that we grow for you know. Canadians is basically we have nothing that we can change to and so you know a a carbon tax doesn't doesn't help you can't you know we can't change our ways so uh, you know it's so very important that we need we need to get rid of this you know it's basically uh, you look at the cost of food right now uh, that one of the things that's talked very little about is actually the work where the carb where the taxes are are playing a Part of the role in the rise of uh, rise of the cost of food. So we need to make food a little bit cheaper for Canadians, and you know we need to make uh, we need to free up money for farmers uh, because this tax, you know, when they pay the tax, it doesn't it, it doesn't help farmers at all. And basically, we need to free up that money for farmers to be able to do um, things on their farm to maybe make sustainability a little bit better or to change how they do different other things that they can change. Now, we talked about it as far as uh, being used to heat grain dryers and and shops. It's also very important on the livestock end of things for, for heating barns, for vegetable producers as far as greenhouses, etc., right? Oh, very much so. And, you know, this is the thing is it, it, it affects every part of agriculture and it doesn't matter what we're growing, whether it's tomatoes, you know, calves, whether it's the dairy industry or, you know, whether it's a grain farmer, it, it affects us all equally. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's an regressive tax. Like it doesn't help us at all. Now, for people that maybe don't understand just the significance of the cost of this tax. Can you give people kind of an an idea, a sense of the cost that farmers are facing when they have to pay this? Well, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. If I look at, uh, and I wish I brought it with me today, but, uh, you know, if you look at my last, you know, my last uh, heating bill, 
Uh, the cost of the natural gas is actually pretty much almost the least amount on on my bill uh, because you know it gets back to you know that the carbon tax was 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 huge and plus not only are we paying the carbon tax but uh, we get charged the GST on the carbon tax also so we get double whammied you know so we're talking thousands of dollars. And, you know, the interesting thing is it's really hard to quantify because I've talked to farmers from across Canada. And, you know, we all get charged a little bit differently and you know, rates are, are different. But, you know, the one thing is the same and it gets back to the carbon taxes basically is charged on everybody. And uh, it's just not, uh, it, you know, it's a cost <clears throat> that uh, we can't do anything about. It doesn't help us. Uh, like I say, if we can get... Uh, if we could take that money and get it back or, or or not have to pay it, you know, we could use that money to, uh, you know, to put into different things to make our farming more sustainable. And, of course, the key here is we've got to see it move through Parliament. Um, you know, that's exactly it. Uh, you know, like it was just introduced uh, this past week. And, uh, you know, this, you know, this is going to take a long time to get through just because, uh, uh the, the federal government is is not a speedy beast, and uh, it gets back to this. You know, this could take a year to two years to just get through. And uh, not only does it have to pass through uh, the House of Commons, but then it has to go to the Senate and get and get passed through there. It's interesting. Uh, Bill two hundred six, the one that this is replaced. Uh, we were so close to having it. It was actually in had gotten to the Senate, Senate but. Uh, Unfortunately, we just ran out of time, and that's one thing we do need is time right now. Overall, final thoughts, key comments you would like to leave with producers today? You know, it just I, you know, uh, I, I would just encourage uh, you know all farmers from across Canada to please, please talk to your MP. Um, it doesn't matter the political stripe uh, that their MP is. It uh, we need help with this. Um, you know, it gets back to we have uh, there was a conservative member introduced this bill. You know, with Bill 206, we actually had the support of the NDP and the Bloc and the Conservatives, and you know that's uh, that that shows you the importance of this and uh, how widespread you know this is across Canada. So you know, please please talk to your MP um, and you know tell them how important this is. And uh, you know what, if they can do anything they can do to get this through faster, because the sooner we get this passed, the better off we'll all be. I've been talking with Andre Harp, the chair of the Grain Growers of Canada. We've been talking about Bill C-234. The bill will amend the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act to expand the definition of eligible farming machinery and extend the exemption for qualifying farming fuel to marketable natural gas and propane. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email the farm desk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Manitoba Organic Alliance annual meeting will take place via Zoom February 15th. Register on their website. 
And with Crop Connect being canceled, there are a number of individual AGMs going on this year. These will take place virtually. Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers, February 16th at 9 a.m. Manitoba Oat Growers, February 16th at 1 p.m. Manitoba Canola Growers, February 17th at 9 a.m. And the Manitoba Crop Alliance, February 17th at 1 p.m. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon. Yesterday on the program, we were joined by Farm Credit Canada Chief Economist J.P. Gervais, who gave his outlook for the current year. We continue that conversation here today. Wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, livestock as well. Um, what are you expecting for the cattle market? Well, uh, pricing is better, and I do think that you know margins are going to remain tight. So much, much like uh, it was, like I said, for grains and oil seeds, I do think that when it comes to the overall outlook for 2022, it's a question of profitability because from the demand side, if you look at our export numbers, has been very, very strong in 2021. I do expect the a rebound in the domestic market in 2022. Uh, no one knows exactly how the pandemic is going to evolve, but I do think that once we're able to put this current wave behind us and then look at reopening the food services really across the country, I do think that domestic demand is going to rebound. Prior to the pandemic, you know, so prior to 2020, we had an increase in beef consumption, for example, on a per capita basis, a sustained increase in beef consumption for five years. And then we had the challenges of the pandemic with all the supply chain disruptions that we've come to know, right? So uh, I do think that once we're able to move beyond the pandemic, we'll see, a res- uh, we'll see the growth in per, per, uh, per capita beef consumption resume. And I do think that's going to be a positive as well for, for the cattle sector. And what about for the hog sector? Well, much of the same thing when it comes to red meat. I, I think they share hogs, pork, beef, and cattle share a lot of the same dynamics when it comes to the marketplace. I do think that pricing for hogs has been a little bit better than cattle in 2021. And so if you look at 2022 and the forecast for 2022 compared to what it was in 2021, well, we have perhaps a little bit less optimistic scenario for hogs and pork, but that's because 2021 was a little bit better more positive than I would uh, that that I would uh, say for than it was for uh, for beef. So overall, again, it's a matter of you know profitability, efficiencies, finding the efficiencies to make sure that you're you're able to generate a profit. Given that you know demand remains really strong, but there are a number of unknowns when it comes to um, feeding costs and other costs as well on the farm. Let's not forget as well that if you look at uh, pattern or expectations for interest rates in 2022, we expect interest rates to climb. And so businesses that have made some investments in recent years are going to have to reassess with, you know, kind of financial risk they're exposed to and perhaps, you know, see, you know, whether or not it makes sense to lock in some of the interest rates that they are for their loan portfolio. So overall, I think it's, it's the, um, the overall emphasis on management and finding efficiencies is going to be even more critical in 2022 than it has been in recent years. And uh, consumers will be uh, seeing higher prices for uh, dairy products. Um, talk about you know what you're expecting uh, for, for dairy here this year. Well, we have an increase in the farm price that has been effective February 1st for dairy. So at the, at the farm gate, we'll see a, a higher milk price, and that obviously is going to... Uh, trickle down all the way down to consumers. Now, the increase in the farm price and the farm milk price that we have is not offsetting all of the challenges and all the rising feed costs that, that uh, you're seeing at, uh, for dairies. And so this is, again, one of those other areas where across livestock sectors, basically, where you, you really have to find the efficiencies 
Uh, labor challenges are not going to go away. The labor shortages existed prior to the pandemic, and they're going to be uh, present for a number of years. So it means that all businesses, dairy included, need to look at you know automation, uh, investment, perhaps in robotics and so forth, just to make sure that uh, we have an ability to continue to grow production under some challenging circumstances when it comes to, for example, labor availability. And finally, uh, JP, um, any uh, tips here for, for producers? Well, I, I think 2022 is the year where management is going to shine, right? So if, if, if operations are able to focus on management, looking at risk management in particular, and as well as finding efficiencies, making sure that they can grow their productivity on farm, I think they're going to be okay because 2022, if you look at the overall external environment, there's a lot of positive, but as well as there are some challenges ahead. So this is the reason why I'm saying, hey, um, let's you know make sure that we sharpen up our pencils and and uh, look at some of the possible efficiencies. This is hard, right? The low hanging fruits are gone when it comes to productivity at the farm level. We've made a lot, tons of progress, tons of innovation at the farm level, but the reality is probably we're going to have to continue doing that. And and I think you know 2022 is going to be one of those years where we're going to uh, see management shine. That was J.P. Gervais, Chief Economist with Farm Credit Canada. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba Canola Growers is hosting its AGM virtually next week. Executive Director Delaney Ross-Burtnack. It will be hosted the morning of February 17th, that's a Thursday, at 9 a.m., and that's a new time. We'll be hosting it on Zoom this year. That's a little bit different than last year, and it gives us some more functionality, which we're really excited about. So our membership will be on Zoom, and we'll live stream for the non-voting guests. Everybody who can vote is on Zoom, and that is great. It'll allow us to vote. Members can ask questions, and that can either be typed into the box or uh, actually spoken at the event, which is great. The deadline to register for the meeting is today. And a private member's bill tabled in the House of Commons this week is calling for changes to the carbon tax as it relates to agriculture. Among other things, Bill C-234 would extend the exemption for qualifying farming fuel to natural gas and propane. Andre Harp is chair of Grain Growers of Canada. The thing is, it, it, it affects every part of agriculture and it doesn't matter what we're growing, whether it's tomatoes you know, calves, whether it's the dairy industry or, you know, whether it's a grain farmer, it, it affects us all equally. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's in a regressive tax. Like it doesn't help us at all. He notes farmers are paying thousands of dollars in carbon tax on key aspects of their operation from grain drying to heating shops and livestock barns or even greenhouses. A similar bill, C-206, passed through the House of Commons, but died in the Senate when the federal election was called. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.